Today, my message is stand your ground before you open it. Let me share something funny. A man was walking along California Beach in deep prayer with God. And all of a sudden, out of a cloud, the God said, I want to grant you one wish because you've been so faithful watching or serving me all these years. And the man said, okay, Lord, here's my wish. Would you please build me a bridge to Hawaii so I can drive over anytime I want to? The Lord said, your request is very materialistic. Think of the log logistics the under of that undertaking. The support required to reach the bottom of the Pacific, the concrete and steel it would take. I can do it, but it's hard for me to justify your desire for worldly things. Take a little more time and think of another wish, a wish that would honor and glorify me. The man thought for a long time and finally said, Lord, I wish I could understand women. I want to know how they feel inside what they're thinking when they give me the sanit treatment, why are they crying, what they mean when they say nothing's bothering them. <laughs> How can I make a woman truly happy? God was quiet for a few minutes and finally said, how many ladies do you want that freeway to be? <laughs> Sorry, ladies. Pastor tells a sexy joke on New Year's Day. Stand your ground. I love the book of Ephesians. Ephesians closes with a climatic charge given to the church, to the apostle, through the Holy Spirit. In verse 10 of chapter 6 of Ephesians, the Bible says, finally, my brethren, brothers and sisters, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. But we begin with, with this admonition, this command to be strong. And, and it gives us a couple things. First of all, it tells us emphatically it is God's will for us to be strong. It's God's will for us to be strong. And the cool thing is God doesn't call strong people. God calls weak people and says, I'm going to make you strong. So God's strength is available to every single one of us. The Bible says in Isaiah 40, they that wait upon the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. So whenever God gives us a command, he also gives us the process, the way to fulfill it. The details of Verse 11 says this, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The word wiles is the Greek word methodia. It means trickery. It means deceptive strategy. It means to ambush someone through deception. And so the enemy's greatest weapon is deception. That's his most powerful tool. So he uses deception to make people do things that they think are right, but they're wrong because they've been deceived. And so God says to us, I'm going to give you a armor, a spiritual capacity to overcome the tactics, the trickery, the, strateg the strategy of the enemy. So we're all in Christ, have the capacity to be free from the wiles of the enemy. So here's how we put it on. Or here's why we put it on. Verse 12 says this, for we wrestle... Everybody say wrestle. So wrestle, Greek word palais, means hand-to-hand -hand combat. And so they knew what that meant. The, the Roman Empire really worshipped the bodily form and physical fitness was their primary feature. They would have these massive temples in, the, in every town they conquered called palestria. And a palestria was like a palace-looking building, but inside it was the gym. And they did boxing and, rest, and wrestling and pancreatin. All of those were 
massively violent sports. In fact, the boxing, they would wear leather gloves with spikes. And every, you could tell a boxer on the street to be all these pot marks in his face from, from being hit with spikes. Wrestling, there was no rules, no rounds. There would be often all kinds of grotesque features the wrestlers would carry. And Pan Creighton was anything goes. The best athletes would fight that in that realm. And there was no rules. And most of the time, the loser would rather die than leave the ring in defeat. So it was a life and death match. So when Paul said, we wrestle, everyone there got it. Man, this is serious that we have a real enemy and we have to wrestle with him. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. You always have to remind yourself that people aren't your enemy. You have a real enemy, the devil. You have a real enemy, his deceptive tactics. And it's so important you live in that arena. Forgive people and fight devils. Just live in that place. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. So Paul gives a revelation about different dynamics and dimensions and different categories of these controlling spirits that govern, you know, the, the way people think is the primary way of looking at it. So we wrestle against deceptions that are, that are involved in all kinds, you know, from family stuff to city stuff to regional things to national to generational. All these things are, have a, really a tie-in to those categories of demonic powers. And so in light of that, the Bible says, therefore, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. That you, be able to, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done or overcome all stands. So my title comes from the word withstand there. And it, because of what it means to us, it means to stand your ground. Anthesimi is the Greek word. It means to stand your ground opposing an enemy. So this is your year to stand your ground. Stand your ground for the things you believe. Stand your ground in, we'll talk about the way we stand our ground as believers. So, in light of what's going on, we, you know, having done all, having overcome all, we stand our ground. The devil can't defeat you unless you leave, leave your place, unless you abandon your spot, unless you stop standing. So, we stand our ground. Amen. Turn to someone and say, stand your ground. In 2 Samuel, there's a listing of David's mighty men. Beautiful Mary reminded me of this. And it's talking about these men. One of them was a guy named Shammah. And the Bible says Shammah was a valiant man, a courageous man. And the Bible says this. A bunch of Hebrews were gardening a field of lentils. And the Philistines, an army, a platoon, a group, a company of soldiers came to steal that harvest. They were harvesting their field and the enemy came to steal it. I just want to say to you, this year the devil can't steal any more harvest moments, breakthrough moments in your life. And so all of the Hebrews left. They all left. They dropped their rakes. They dropped their, you know, shovels. And they left. And, they, and the Philistines were coming. But one guy, the Bible says, found the geographical the the center of that field. And he stood there. The Bible says, but Shema stood his ground. Probably with a shovel, a hoe, a rake. He doesn't have a traditional weapon. The only thing he has is faith in God. And the Bible says, and God won a great victory. He defeated a bunch of professional soldiers because he stood his ground. You have authority to protect the ground God's given. Your family, your business, your ministry, your city, 
So whatever ground God's given you, you have God-given authority to defend it. And so, so God won a great victory because one person stood their ground. But we stand our ground, the Bible says in the next verse, stand therefore having your waist girded with truth. So we begin the process of strength by talking about integrity. Integrity releases authority. If you want to be strong, you have to be honest. As a believer, you'll only be as healthy as you are honest. The more honest you are, the more healthy you are. We know in psychology that secrets cause tremendous damage to a person's soul. Secrets eat away like a cancer. And we're only as sick as our secrets. And in the kingdom of God, we bring it all out. David said this, inviting God, said, God, search me, try me, know me, and see if there's any brokenness, any wickedness, any sinfulness in me. David invited the searchlight of the Holy Spirit to help him live in true integrity. Jesus said in the Beatitudes, blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God. So what is a pure in heart? The transparent life. The Bible invites us as believers, confess your faults one to another and be healed. Christ came to the temple one day and there was a man there with a withered hand. And Mosaic law commands that no one with physical deformities or imperfections is allowed to the temple. So they got around it by saying, you can come to the temple, just hide your imperfections. So he's literally at church. Everyone there knew he had a withered hand, but he hid it at church. Church should be the last place where we have to hide our stuff. It should be the first place that we reveal our stuff. There's no one to impress here. There's no one to impress here. We're not a museum. We're a hospital. We're a hospital and being treated by King Jesus, by Dr. Jesus. So Christ came there, and they looked at him, all the Pharisees, seeing whether he would heal on the Sabbath. And he said to the man, stretch forth your hand. So he took it out of hiding, and he stretched it out. And the moment he revealed it, Jesus healed it. Part of the way God brought me out of a clinical manic suicidal depression 25 years ago was through brutal honesty. And the more honest I got, the less darkness had a grip on me. Satan is the Lord of darkness, and darkness is that part of our life concealed from others in God. And when we bring it all out into the sunshine, he loses his power. Whatever, whatever it is loses its power. Our heart, our traumas, our sins, whatever it is, when it's brought out, it loses its power. If we reveal it, Jesus will heal it. Amen? That's the, the kingdom of God. <clears throat> I got a funny email a couple years ago, and it was, Dear Sir, we have discovered all of your secrets. If you don't send us $10,000, we're going to go public with all of your secrets. I wrote back, Dear Sirs, thank you for your kind letter. <laughs> You're too late. I've already wrote an entire book about all my secrets. God of the comeback, please get it on Amazon. It might help you. God bless. I have found in my profession there is just a, a, there is the teaching from all the way through, I've been to three different seminaries, and so everyone, each of them taught, be really careful about how much you reveal about your personal life because there might be consequences. People might have a diminished view of you. I have found the exact opposite to be true. So it is really unhealthy when I have to pretend to be someone here that I'm not down there. It is so devastating. And it creates all kinds of really punishing, psychological, torturous oppression when preachers live like that. Nope, nope, I'm not going to live like that. You get, you know, you can tell how I'm doing by how I'm preaching, okay? Which is mostly okay. Yeah. 
So integrity equals power. So then, then Paul said this, put on, therefore, put on the breastplate of righteousness. So a Roman soldier would have this, this breastplate from his neck all the way down to his waist. It would protect his heart, his lungs, his kidneys, liver, all vital organs are protected. And so that breastplate of righteousness represents our identity. So the, one of the ways that we become strong is to believe we are who God says we are. Your identity unlocks authority, unlocks your destiny, and unlocks everything. And so one of the struggles of life is stop trying to be someone else and be yourself. Be, who, be the unique, one-of-a-kind masterpiece God made you to be. There's no one like you. No one has your fingerprints. No one has your DNA. No one has your giftedness, the mix of your gifts. There's power in discovering your uniqueness. As a young preacher, I would preach other people's sermons. and Then I grew into my own identity. You all with me? Yes. It was hard for me, though. I'd listen to T.D. Jake's sermon, and I tried to preach it, and it didn't come out the same way. <laughs> How come I can't do that? Well, I'm not T.D. Jake's. He's not me. God doesn't see him high, me, low. He sees us all the same. We're all his beloved children. And there's power in your identity. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that God made his son to be sin for us who knew no sin. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Christ, when he set it on high through the cross and by his shed blood, gave every person that believes in him his righteousness. Paul said this, being found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but the righteousness which is by faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. It's so important because in the church there's kind of these different camps and, and people talking about, well, we're, we're, you know, we're all just filthy sinners. We're all just, you know, depraved people. Well, that's who I was. Now I'm a saint. Now I'm a child of God. Now I'm the righteousness of God. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm anointed. I'm called. I'm chosen. I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing. I'm delivered. I have everlasting life. I'm a friend of God. I have favor goodness and mercy follows me. I'm healed. I have hope. I have, so everything the Bible says about me is true. And the Bible's a mirror. The Bible says in James 1, whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, not being a forgetful hearer, but a doer of his work, that word, that person will be blessed in all that they do. So God says, keep looking at the mirror till you understand who you are in Christ. Amen. God says, Paul preached about, about who he was, and Paul was a murderer of Christians before he became a Christian. And yet Paul had no shame, no condemnation, no guilt, because when he came to Christ, it was all washed away. I don't care about your past. I don't care what you've been through. In Jesus, you're a new creation. If any person be in Christ Jesus, they are a new creation. Old things passed away. Behold, all things are new. The next thing Paul says, the Holy Spirit says, and have your feet shod, your shoes on, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So a Roman soldier's shoes would begin at the, sh at the knee. There would be a, gr a greaves that would cover all the way down to his foot. And that, that would be made out of bronze. It would protect him from being hit or kicked or any kind of weapon. It would bounce off. And on his feet were these kind of sandal-like shoes made out of layers of sand, of, of leather, and on the bottom of the shoe were spikes, like golf spikes, just more. And, the, and so the Roman soldier, when he would be in battle, here's what they discovered after hundreds of years of battle. 
that the most vulnerable position on the battlefield was to be knocked down. That if you slipped or lost your footing or fell, you were 10 times more likely to die than if you stood. So they would take in the battle, they would drive their feet into the ground. And when the enemy would hit them, they would take the blow but not be knocked down. Come on, you can take a licking and keep on ticking. There's power. There's so much power in peace. Now, peace, we're, we're called to bring the gospel of peace, the message of peace. I get, but, but there's power when a person learns to live in God's peace. Peace is not just a passive gift of a loving God to you. Peace is your spiritual weapon. Jesus wakes up from a nap. They're in a storm, Sea of Galilee. The disciples are freaking out. Jesus looks at the, at the wind. He rebukes it, looks at the water, said, peace. God wants you to have so much peace you can calm every storm you're invited into. God wants you to have so much peace you can sleep when other people are panicking. Why aren't you panicking? Because I got peace. The peace of God. Jesus said in John 14, my peace I give unto you. Not, peace is not the absence of my problem. It's the presence of my king. Peace doesn't come when my problems leave. Peace comes when my king comes. When Jesus, my peace I give unto you. Not like the world gives. Peace is the result of circumstances being right. And No, no, it's not like the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled or afraid. He said, let peace conquer your fear. Let peace conquer your anxiety. Peace. P peace out. Peace out to you. <laughs> so God says in Philippians 4, another great teaching about peace. The Bible says, be anxious about nothing. But in everything, through prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So whenever I lose my peace, I get it back when I pray. So listen, the devil will stop sending you anxiety if you turn anxiety into a prayer meeting every time it shows up. Oh, thank you. For, oh, something more. Fashion your worry into prayer. Amen? Mary and I really discovered being prayer warriors. If you want to be a prayer warrior, have a child. You never stop praying for them. Even when they're adults, you love them, you care for them, and you, you feel such a desire to keep praying and lifting them up to God. So it really does a, a lifelong thing. So keep praying. So don't let anyone take your peace. Jesus said, no one can take this peace from you. So, so I said a little point. No one can take your peace without your permission. Well, Pastor, I'm going through this thing. I, I, I know it's bad, but don't let it take your peace. Okay? So they have to, the enemy has to have your permission to take your peace. Don't wait for things to get better before you have peace. Have peace and watch, what, watch it carry you through these storms. Amen? The last thing about the shoes, the tips of the Roman shoes had two spikes coming out of them that were several inches long. And they were weapons. And so often in battle, he would lift one foot and drive it into the thigh, to the leg, to the waist of his enemy. So the whole idea was this. Peace is a weapon. Peace is your weapon. Use it against your enemy. Use it against your enemy. I got peace like a river. Great prophecy in it, Jeremiah. I'll give you peace like a river. A river of peace.
is part of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. The kingdom of God is peace. Romans 14, 17. Righteousness, peace, and joy. I want to live in peace. Okay, let me help you like this. In 2023, stand your ground and live in peace. I want to stand my ground in peace. No matter what. If the devil can't take your peace, he can't take your victory. It's just the promise of God for you. The next part of the weaponry was, and the Bible says, and above all, take the shield of faith. Now, it wasn't saying the shield of faith was more important, but the shield of faith would be outside the, body, uh, uh, the whole body. All the rest of the things you're wearing as physical armor, the shield of faith is held out. So above all, take the shield of faith. Why? By which, where which, you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. The word fiery darts is the Greek word bellows. And the Romans had so advanced warfare that they discovered grenades before we, you know, before modern warfare. They would hollow out an arrow and fill it with flammable liquid. And when they would shoot it, when it would impact, it would explode into fire. The other part of a bellows is when someone would take a rag, let it on fire, like the movies, and shoot it. Both ways were explosive. So the shield of faith has the authority, the power to quench those missiles. Now, what are those fiery darts? They're thoughts. The enemy's weapons is thoughts. The battlefield is your mind. And God gives us through our identity, through integrity, through peace, and through faith, the power to overcome those assaults. And so as believers, this is your year to stand in faith. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to stand in faith. I don't care how goofy stuff gets. I'm going to keep believing for breakthrough in my business, my family, my ministry, my health. I don't care what. I'm going to stand on God's promises like we sang at the end of the service. All his promises are true, and we're going to keep standing in faith. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Word of God in faith built. So God's, every person here has faith. God's word builds your faith. Christ often identified the nature or quality of a person's faith. He said to his disciples, how is it you have no faith? Another time, how is it you have little faith? Some, then he said, because of your faith this has happened. And two or three times he said, you have great faith. So Christ identified four different qualities or levels of faith. So we want to build up our faith until it's great. But it's great faith, it's just great faith simply believes God. It stands on God's word. Now the Roman shield was called theros. And a theros because theros means door. And it looked like a door, rectangular, about almost four foot tall. And it was made up of a composite of seven or eight layers of compressed treated leather put upon each other. And by the time they did that, it was as strong as steel, really strong. But it was the only part of the Roman armor, soldier's armor, that needed daily maintenance. So they, they would give every soldier a rag soaked in oil. And his daily requirement was to rub the oil into his shield. If he didn't oil his shield on the battlefield, it would break on impact. And God says to us, Here's what Christ said. Pray this prayer. Give me today my daily bread. I need to rub some oil into my faith. I need to strengthen my faith today. 
I need to walk in today's, the Bible says in Hebrews 3 and 4, give us today's word. There's a today word. Every day of your life, there's fresh manna laying outside the door of your tent for you to walk. God will speak to you from his Bible every single day. A word, a word for you, a word for your life, a word to encourage you. And as we do, we oil our shields. And lastly, when the soldiers would march in platoons to battle, they would walk past these giant vats of water. And each soldier would dip his shield into the water. And then when, on the battlefield, when those flaming missiles would come in, think about the terror that it would cause just by coming in. But when it, when it hit a wet shield, the wetness of the shield would put out the fire of the arrow. And God says, I don't care how fiery the, dot, the dots, the, the arrows and the weapons, I don't care what kind of thoughts are thrown at you. When my faith is in you, when my word is in you, you'll quench that fire. It won't burn you up. Come on. It's time to quench the fire of fear in faith. It's time to quench the fire of anxiety and worry and stress in, by faith. And faith comes by hearing God's word. Feed yourself the word of God and watch your fears run away. Starve your fear, feed your faith, and watch what God will do in your life. Someone say amen. amen. God will do it. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 4, Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Everything God gives birth to has in its DNA an overcoming power. And then he goes on to define it. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Let me say it like this. You have overcoming faith for 2023. Amen. You're going to overcome. You're going to stand your ground in faith. Come on, this is not the year to retreat. This is not the year to stop praying or believing, confessing, and declaring. This is your year to tell the devil, you can't have my family. You can't have my finance. You can't have my health. You can't have my marriage. You can't have, you can't have my city. You can't have my nation. This is your year to stand your ground in faith. Stand your ground and watch what God will do. One person, oh, I, I, I prayed for a lady and she, she was saying, you know, I felt the compassion of God. She said, you know, there's like 93 people in my family. I'm the only Christian. And I, and I said, isn't that great? She said, well, what do you mean? You have authority to claim them all. Let's claim them all. One person, her name was Rahab. She was a prostitute. But she heard about what God was doing. And she believed the promises of God. And she got her whole family into an apartment and, and let down a red rope from her apartment representing the blood of Jesus. And the whole wall of Jericho fell except for her apartment. And she saved 100 people by her faith. Your faith can deliver. You're almost with me. Four guys bring their sick friend to Jesus. He's on a bed. He can't, he's barely functioning. And they had so much faith. They got there. They got there late to John Mark's house. The house is overflowing. They can't get in a window or door, so they climb up on the roof. Somehow they got a guy on a mat up on the roof, you know, pull these in, don't drop them. And then they tear the thatch roots open, and they lowered the man down. So Jesus is teaching away in the house. Can you imagine pieces of straw start coming down? Finally, he just looks up. There's a hole in the roof. They lower him down. Here comes this man. And the Bible says, when Jesus saw their faith, he healed their friend. Hmm. 
Lastly, the Bible says, and for a helmet, put on the hope, or excuse me, the helmet of salvation. So a Roman soldier's helmet would be, it was very thick, coated the inside with cork, sponge-like material, but it was very heavy. They'd, so when they, were, when they weren't fighting, they would carry it because it just was heavy. They made it heavy because it could withstand a, dir a direct blow from an axe or, an, or a sword. So if someone comes behind you, hits it right in the head, it wouldn't penetrate the, she the helmet. So God says this, the most vulnerable part of your body is your brain. I'm going to give you a weapon to protect your thoughts. I'm going to give you a helmet of salvation. Paul further defines this helmet in 1 Thessalonians 5 when he says this about this amazing helmet. And as for a helmet, put on the hope of salvation. When I saw that, I got so excited because I understood that hope is the helmet that protects us from the blows of the enemy that try to take us out. If you don't lose your hope, you're going to get there. If the devil can't steal your hope, he can't stop your dream. If the devil can't take your hope, he can't stop the victory that God's intended for you. In the New Testament, the word for hope, elpis, E-L-P-I-S, means a joyous expectation of good for the future. So God says to Christians, I want you to look at 2023 and just declare this is going to be a great year. It's going to be the best year of my life. Amazing things are going to happen. The best is yet to come. So we have a hope that's not based on the stock market, on the political turmoil, on the cultural unrest or ungodliness. Our hope comes from God. And so because we have that hope, we, we guard our minds. Don't let that world bring you down into the mire of its hopelessness, of its depression, of its discouragement. We, are, we, we, we live in the high realm of the oxygen of hope. When I did a forensic of my severe clinical manic suicidal depression 25 years ago, I realized the number one reason I was depressed was I lost hope. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes your heart sick. When hope left, depression came. Well, Pastor, how'd you get healed? I invited hope back. You know your heart's healthy when it dreams again. And God helped me dream again. Romans 5.1 says this, hope does not disappoint. The King James says, hope does not make a shame. Hope doesn't make a shame. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So God says, I want you to have so much hope, it's contagious. Peter said, be ready to give an answer for the reason of the hope that lies in you. Why would someone approach me and say, how come you have so much hope? Because I'm visibly carrying a positive, joyous attitude. So hope is joy. A person that has chronic joy is a person that lives in continual hope. Yeah. Hope unlocks joy. So you're supposed to be the person with a smile on your face, a skip in your step that is looking but because your hope doesn't come from them. Your hope comes from him. Your hope is from God. Hope is the oxygen of the human soul. We suffocate without it. We thrive with it. Romans 15 says this. Now may the God of hope fill you with all peace and joy in believing. And may you abound in hope through the Holy Spirit. God says, I want you to have so much hope that you're contagious. Do you know someone that they're so negative every time they come around you try to hide? At Walmart you duck down. Oh, maybe they didn't see me. I would never do that as a pastor. But someone who's 
just, you know, they're negative because their life's negative. They're negative because they're not living in hope. So Abraham had so much hope that he believed he would have a baby when he was almost 100 years old. Abraham, who hoped against hope, natural hope, no reason, God's promise, hope. If you keep your hope on, the devil can't take you out. Keep your helmet on. The hope of salvation. Amen? God, let me say it to you. The best is yet to come in your life. It's going to be a great year, a miracle year, a breakthrough year, a testimony year, a salvation year, a healing year, a deliverance year. You're going to see, you're going to have so many, every time the devil attacks you, God's going to turn it to a testimony. Yeah, that's what God's going to do. Keep your helmet, turn to someone and say, keep your helmet on. Yeah, keep hoping, keep believing, keep trusting, keep standing. Lastly, the Bible says this, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So all these other implements were, they would wear, and then the, whole, the soldier would hold the sword. A Roman soldier's sword was only like 18 inches long. It was remarkably small. So they found that the, that the cumbersome large swords weren't good on the battlefield. So it was these, these double-edged swords. And so it's so significant because the Bible identifies itself as a two-edged sword. So God says you have all these defensive mechanisms. Stand in integrity. Stand in your identity. Stand in peace. Stand in hope. Stand in faith. Oh, by the way, and pick up your sword and jab the devil. So here's our offensive weapon. So the word for two-edged sword is diastomos. Di means two and stomos means mouths. So here's what God says. When I speak to you, like we sang and talked about, when I speak to you, one half of the blade is formed. But it's not a weapon until you add your mouth to my voice. And when you say what you hear, you'll see what you say. Come on. It was, it would be 19 years ago that I was uh, very sick on vacation in Laguna Beach. And it's so lovely having Tim and Rosie with us today and, and uh, Christina and Matt Sheffy. And yeah, just lovely having the whole family here. And uh, we had everybody for a couple of days, and B.J. Melody flew off to Paris to minister. Wouldn't you like to be called to Paris to minister? <laughs> Mary and I got to one time. It's pretty cool. You know, going to Paris, what for? Preach. A little shopping in between. Yeah, it's just. So I'm at the doctor's office in Laguna Beach, and he said to me, you, you, oh, I, you know, it's 90%. You have this cancer. And uh, then he's, it, it was in a difficult place. He said, it's really hard to treat. He has, you know, 80% mortality rate. So he's going through all the things. So I, I just leaned across the desk and I said, excuse me, I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. Amen. He looked at me and said, what? <laughs> so I said it again. Mary was next to me. And I could barely talk. I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. Amen. So it stupefied him. He's like, uh, okay, there's the door. <laughs> and so, you know, sure enough, came back home. Cancer was found. Six months later, cancer was gone. Now, I'm not, I'm not belittling anyone's journey through cancer. Here's what I'm telling you. God gives you a, wor a word for every storm you'll ever face. That word is your weapon to make it through that storm. 
Remember when Christ said, let's go to the other side. That was the word to make it there. They didn't use it. They panicked when the storm came. But they could have got there just with that word. So when God gives you a word, it's a weapon for you to use. The same with prophecies. But remember what Paul said to Timothy? 2 Timothy 1.18. I charge you, son Timothy, to do warfare by the prophecies that you've received. Take your prophecy and beat the devil's brains out. Come on. So, 1985, 86, we opened a church in Scottsdale, and I rented a building. And uh, the city wouldn't give me a use permit. They'd never had a, a, a church in an industrial commercial area. I applied five times. And so, I, I, you know, I'm in trouble. At least the building, I can't turn the electricity on. So I'm sitting there, and I, I flew to a meeting in California. I'm sitting by myself at the airport in Ontario having a pity party. And this great prophet named Dick Mills walked up to me. Michael, he, he, he's known me since I was a boy. Michael, Michael, I got a word for you. Favor in your city. I'm, I'm thinking, you don't know my city. They said no five times. Gave me five scriptures for favor in my city. I took those scriptures. I walked around that dark auditorium for a week and said, I have favor with the city of Scottsdale. I have favor with the city of Scottsdale. By the end of the week, Mayor Drinkwater called me himself. He said, Pastor Maiden, we're sorry we didn't approve you. We're not only going to approve you, we're going to cover all the costs. Welcome to our city. That happened. And as John Quattrini would know, who's John is a commercial real estate agent in our church, broker, he, he, he handles hundreds of churches. He said, we're in the history books. It's the first church to move into a commercial area. And the only way it happened was when I used the word as a weapon to unlock the destiny God had for me. I don't care what the devil's saying. Use God's word. Amen. If God said it, you put it in your vocabulary. God can't do it until you say it. Speak his word. Declare his word. Amen. Confess his word. Believe his word. Hey, thank you for listening to me today. Would you stand your feet, please? Turn to three people and say, stand your ground. Come on, tell someone, stand your ground. My Teen Challenge friends, stand your ground, brothers. Thank you, Lord. Say this with me. Father God, in 2023, I thank you for your grace, your provision, your promise, and your blessing. I boldly declare and believe this is a blessed year I'm highly favored that miracles are my portion breakthrough is coming I thank you for a great year of many testimonies I want to stand this year in faith in hope in righteousness in integrity on your promises and I believe God you're going to do amazing things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm not going to wait till December to describe this year. I'm telling the year. Here's where we're going. Hop in. Hop in. We're going somewhere. Hey, prayer to me, if you join me down front, please. Hey, as we close this service today, a couple of things. It is always 
such an honor to invite people to know Jesus Christ as Savior. The most important thing in our lives is what we believe about Jesus. If you've never confessed Him as your Savior and Lord, we're so excited and honored to pray with you today. Today's your day to receive Jesus. Today's your day to receive the grace that forgives your sin. The Bible says in John 3:16, God so loved the world, a sinful, broken, lost world. He gave us His only begotten Son, Jesus, that whoever believes in Jesus would not perish, but have an everlasting life. All of us that have received it would highly recommend you receive it too. This is the greatest gift you can receive on this planet, the forgiveness of your sins. If you've never received him, we'd be so honored to pray for you. If you've been away from God in your walk, God's not angry at you. He's not upset with you. He just wants you back. Like the prodigal son's father, come on back home. If you're going through a hellish time of difficulties and maybe face you face a burden of sorrow or trauma or grief, whatever it is, we'd be super honored to pray for you. If you need a healing in your mind or body, we believe 1 Peter 2.24 that says, and with his stripes we were healed. We believe that the name of Jesus enforces the victory of the cross, unleashes the grace of salvation to heal people that are hurting. If you need prayer for those really reasons, if you join us down front, church, if you just for 90 seconds longer would worship God with me while those seeking prayer come forward. Your thoughts, your plans for me are good. I know you hold my future and my hope. Your promises never fail. Your promises never fail. I know your thoughts, your plans for me are good. I know you hold my future and my hope. Your promises never fail. Your promises never fail. I am standing on the clear this morning. I am standing on every promise that you make. I will see come to pass in your name, in your name. Jesus, I will trust every word I hear you say. I will see it come to 